Amen. Um, as our kids are, are making their way, um, I want to invite you to make your way to Psalm 29. Um, this summer, we are pursuing together a summer in the Psalms. Um, this is a set of sermons that we'll preach from the Psalms. And uh, this summer in particular, we are looking at what some scholars have called the Psalms of Creation. So these are Psalms that celebrate God's power, strength, in making and sustaining the natural world um, with a view toward what that then means for his people. So Psalm 29 is where we'll be. And there's a couple of little just notes of, of business I want to mention before we turn our attention to God's word. Um, first of all, um, I say this fairly regularly. Uh, I want to make sure I say it again. Um, it's hot in here, okay? And uh, if you're new with us, that's just a Grace Fellowship thing, Okay? Um, this air conditioner has two settings. It has a summer setting, so you flip it up for summer, and it has a winter setting, and you flip it down for winter, and it is flipped up to summer. Um, the air conditioning is from 1974, and that's not an exaggeration, so uh, it just, just wait. In August, I'm sure it will be cooler, okay? <laughs> uh, it, it won't be, Okay. <laughs> And then secondly, just as a reminder, if you need to check or tend to your kids during our worship service, feel free to move about. It's okay. Um, I, I want to make sure you always hear from me. If, if young children make noises in our congregation, that's okay. Okay, that's okay for that to happen. I think God's pleased with those noises. But if you need to check on kids who are back in the back, if you wouldn't mind just making your way um, down the side, um, we keep this side door locked for security reasons, so it's better that you not go out around the back to check at, in the outside. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, Psalm 29 is where we'll be, and as is our tradition at Grace Fellowship, we'll pair this reading from the Psalms with a reading um, from the New Testament, and Elena will be reading um, the New Testament reading. So here's Psalm 29. Would you listen closely and carefully to these God's words? Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare. And all in his temple, all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. 
The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. I'll be reading from the book of Mark, chapter 4. If you'll turn to me to verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we ask now, by the power of your Spirit, that you would do the thing, Lord, that only you can do. Lord, it is the thing that we have come here to to see you do, to hear you do, to experience you do. That is by the power of your Spirit that you would make these words in your word alive, that you would shine light on them. Lord, that you would shine light on the places in our hearts where the light needs to be shown that you would use these words here in your word and the words that I've prepared, Lord, to give us great hope tonight in our Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Um, In the summer of 2021, Grace Fellowship, that would be you all, um, gave me the gift of a sabbatical where I was able to take some time off for the renewal and rest that, um, that I needed for my own soul. Um, it was a huge gift to me. It's literally a gift that continues to give to me. Um, not only did I get to sort of unwind a little bit for that sense of renewal, but I also was able to gather all kinds of sermon illustrations. Um, It's something about being in a beautiful place. We were able to spend almost five weeks in Colorado. Something about being in a beautiful place with with the ability to be still and pay attention. You just notice a lot more things than you might have otherwise. And there's one afternoon uh, when I was up on the side of a mountain 
Um, if you're familiar with the area, I'm up on the side of a mountain called Mount Antero. Okay? And I'm on the side of a mountain called Mount Antero. Um, I've hiked up there to do a little high alpine lake fishing. Cutthroat trout. If this means anything to anybody. I don't have an alternative, so you have to go with me here. Um, I, I'm, I'm up doing a little fishing, and at a certain point, I'm looking out from the top of the mountain to what is the Arkansas River Valley. And I'm looking east, so that means to my left would be north. And, and as I'm standing there, from the north, I see storm clouds beginning to form over what would be Leadville, Colorado, kind of off in the distance. You know how in the west you can just see so much further. So I see storm clouds beginning to form um, over Leadville. I see the thunder, and I, or I can see the lightning flashing. And I can see this storm begin to make its way through the Arkansas River Valley. It's over Leadville. I stand there long enough, I see that it's making its way to Buena Vista. It continues to follow the river, which is the valley. And I see somewhere between... Um, uh, Buena Vista and Salida, Colorado. You, and then at that point, you begin to hear thunder. And I can see the storm off in the distance then go over Salida. And over the course of about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, I see this storm begin to dissipate up over the next mountain ridge. Now, I remember thinking to myself, if I just had a pen and a piece of paper, I could, like, write some sort of beautiful poem about this. It's just that David has beat me to it. See, in, in Psalm 29, David has this experience where he either is, is witnessing a thunderstorm or, or he's using a thunderstorm as a poetic metaphor to talk to you and to me about two things. He uses this metaphor of a thunderstorm to tell us two things. First of all, to tell us that our God, the God that we serve, the God who is revealed to us in Scripture as Father, Son, and Spirit, the God who's made himself most especially known to us in the person and work of Jesus, God, who we confess in the creed, is the almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth. The only God that there is. He tells us that this God is powerful. Unrivaled power. And then he plans to tell us in this beautiful poem that this power of God holds a great promise for his people. So we're going to trace this psalm as it unfolds. This psalm, it's a beautiful poem, and, and I know that sometimes it's hard to, to, to read and think deeply sometimes about a poem, because they say at about 1927, American people stopped reading poetry, which is a, a shame. But this poem unfolds in three parts. We're going to trace each of them. First of all, the psalmist David is going to give us here in this room to the reader. He's going to give us a call to worship. 
Worship God. We should worship God is the call. Secondly, he's going to tell us the why of that and is God's unbelievable power. And then thirdly, he's going to share a precious promise for his people. So we're going to walk through each part of this. Um, But here's the main thing that I want you to hear tonight. Um, If you do not hear another word that I say, I don't want you to miss this part in particular. Okay, this psalm teaches us that our God uses his power on behalf of his people. There's all kinds of ways a supposed deity could use power. But this God that we serve desires to use his power for us. So let's take a look together. Look with me at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Okay, the word ascribe that we're going to get a few times in these first few lines really simply is a call to give. Um, What David is saying is give to the Lord, give to the Lord praise, give to the Lord glory, give to the Lord worship. It's a call to worship. Verse 1, when he's talking about, oh, heavenly beings, he's kind of thinking about um, the angels surrounded around God's throne. The psalmist David is telling the angels around God's throne, worship God, give him praise. He goes on to say, ascribe to the Lord the glory, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. It's a call to worship God. Worship God, give him praise, give him glory. Heavenly beings do it. The people reading this do it. The people who hear my voice do it. Just, just everybody together now worship and glorify and praise God. And the question always in the Psalms when we get something like this is the simple question, why? Why? Why should we praise him? Why should we ascribe or give him glory? To give God glory means something like recognize his great weightiness and significance. Why should we do that? Praise him. Sing songs to him. Why? And then that's the second part of the psalm. He's going to say we are to praise God, and the reason why is because of God's great power. Particularly in verses 3 to 9, it's God's power over and in the natural world. Psalmist David is going to pick up the idea of a thunderstorm as a device to explain God's power. Now, is David literally witnessing a thunderstorm when he writes these words? We don't know. Is David using the idea of a thunderstorm to talk about the power of God as a poet might do? Most certainly. He's going to talk here about the voice of the Lord. You heard me, um, you heard me read it. The voice of the Lord, 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 the voice of the Lord. It'd be worth noting, it'd be worth you knowing, that in Hebrew, which is the original language of the Psalms, to repeat something is the way to make um, emphasis happen. 
So think about an English poem. We try to make emphasis happen often by something like rhyme. In a Hebrew poem, emphasis is shown via the path of repetition. So the voice of the Lord, 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 the voice of the Lord. Seven times that phrase is repeated. Seven's a number of completion in the Old Testament. So in other words, God is going to speak something, and he's going to speak it in this thunderstorm. So what does he say? Let's look at the images here. Look at me at verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. See, in the natural world and in the ancient world, um, waters were understood to be the most powerful force kind of in the universe. But the idea here is David the psalmist is saying, God's voice is more powerful than the waters. He rules over waters. Verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 5, the, Lord, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon are, are an image in the Old Testament. These big, powerful trees. If you've ever been to Northern California, you've seen the redwoods, it's a similar idea. Again, it's the idea of one of the most beautiful, most powerful, most majestic, most solid things about the natural world that the Lord's voice is more powerful than even those cedars. He's more powerful than the raging ocean waters. He's more powerful than the cedars. In fact, like a thunderstorm could knock down trees, the Lord's voice is powerful enough to break even the cedars of Lebanon. Look at verse 6. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. Again, the hills and mountains of the region of Lebanon. Syrian is a big, strong, tall mountain. Again, it's a, it's a view of, of something in the natural world understood to be so solid and so unmovable. And see, God's voice is even stronger. This, this thunderstorm that God has, has sent or he sends with his words can even shake the most solid thing you can imagine. The idea that he makes Lebanon to skip like a calf. If you've ever been around a farm and you've seen a young calf born, you can see the way they kind of skip around a little awkwardly. The idea is God's voice is so powerful, he can make the mountain just skip around. Verse 7, the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. See, David sees a vision of something like lightning flashing down. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. 
the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Kadesh is a sort of a famous wilderness region. God's power is so strong that he could, he could cause an earthquake out in Kadesh if he wanted. These are all places David would have been able to visually kind of see from where he would sit in his temple. He would have been able to see the hills off to the north of Lebanon. He would have been able to look to the different seas and waters, places like the Mediterranean where he sees waters. He'd be able to look and see off in the distance where the cedars are, where Kadesh is. He's, he's looking out over the vista and seeing this powerful thunderstorm and all that it's saying about God. It goes on in verse 9, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. Strips the forest bare. Makes the deer give birth. It's a mysterious phrase. Now, it, it could mean that God is so powerful, he's so powerful that he can cause a deer to, or an animal to go into labor. It's interesting that the same words that would explain that are the same words could, that could be used for something like um, causing a fright in somebody. See, it's a poetic way of saying that when someone goes into labor and when they get frightened, it's a, kind of a similar phenomenon. The words give, makes, the, makes the deer give birth also strangely can mean shaking the leaves of an oak tree. In other words, this phrase, making the deer give birth, has a range of meanings. And the idea behind a poem is that it means all that stuff all at the same time. In other words, God's voice is, is powerful. His voice can shake things up. The next line, he strips the forest bare. If you've ever seen a, a forest after a severe thunderstorm or tornado, it's stripped bare. It's a weird thing to see. That's how powerful God is. And then the conclusion is verse 10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. You see this line, all in his temple cry glory. It's almost like at the beginning of the psalm, it's a call to worship. Hey, ascribe glory to God. Ascribe glory to God. Here's all, here's how powerful our God is. And all in his temple now cry glory. It's kind of like when a preacher says, and all God's people said, amen. So we're going to do it together. When I tell you, you're going to cry glory. Okay, ready? Ascribe to the Lord glory. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Why? Because his voice is so powerful. It's so powerful that it is over the most powerful waters you can imagine. His voice can move even the most immovable mountains. His voice is so strong that it can break the strongest tree that you can think of. His voice is so strong, he can take mountains and make them skip around like young, newly born animals. His voice is so strong, it flashes forth flames, just like a thunderstorm would. It can cause an earthquake. It can make a deer give birth or get afraid or oak tree shake. And all in his temple cry, Glory. Exactly. Exactly. 
so what? If the first move of the psalm is to say we should praise God, why? Because he's powerful. The second move of the psalm is, okay, so he's powerful, so what? See, John Calvin, the the famous Protestant reformer, says the fact that God is powerful, the fact that he's powerful, actually gives us no comfort at all. See, Baal, the local Canaanite god, the pagan deity was known to be the god of the storm. So what's so interesting and unique about the claims that David is making about the God of the Bible. In other words, a powerful deity, eh, not that special. And here's the third move of the psalm. It's the move tonight that just so happens to be all your hope. Verse 11, may the Lord, another translation just simply says the Lord, may the Lord give strength to his people, and may the Lord bless his people with peace. Y'all, Our God is powerful. He's strong. He can do anything. He's the maker of heaven and earth for God's sake. But what he wants to do with all his power and strength is he wants to offer it to you in the places where you are weak. That's what he desires to do with the strength of his. And that's what makes him unique and holy. Y'all, our God is powerful. He can do anything. He can speak and make worlds come into existence. He can speak and make mountains tremble. But what he wants to do, what he desires to do with all that power and strength, is to give you peace in the places where you are trembling. It's no wonder that this part of God's character, his holy and righteous character, character that he wants to use his power and strength on behalf of his people, that's the main idea here. It's no wonder that this part of who God is And what he's about is made most plain to us in the person and work of Jesus. See, it's no coincidence that when Jesus shows up on the scene, one thing you begin to notice about him as you read the gospel stories, I promise you, you can read it. At every stop along the way, Jesus Christ is able to do something with the natural world and the kind of material world. He's able to do something to have power over it. But he does that in order to love his people. As an example, 
the Gospel of John, the first thing he does is he takes material, water actually in this case, but remember he in his very person is in flesh the Lord who is over the waters. And he's able to take the waters and he's able to work with them by his power. He's able to make them into wine so that his people can have joy. Jesus shows up on the scene. He's able to walk out to his disciples when they're afraid on water because he's the Lord over the water, but he wants to walk out there in order to give to them peace. This is Jesus we're talking about. He takes material things in the material world, like, for example, in the gospel stories, when he takes fish and he takes loaves and he begins to work with them because he's over the natural world in order to feed his people who are hungry. Elena read it. It is Jesus who's so powerful that in the raging storm, when his disciples are most afraid and uncertain, he's able to speak to the storm in order to still it, in order to give to his disciples, again, peace. This is the same Jesus who goes to the cross. And when he gives himself for the forgiveness of your sins, when he gives himself to defeat the power of darkness, the whole event is described with darkness and clouds and thunderstorm-like stuff and earthquakes and thunder and lightning. See, because the God of glory and the Lord of all creation, he gives of himself for you and for me. Now, I cannot possibly, I cannot possibly know all the places that you walk in here this afternoon and you deeply need Jesus' strength because of your weakness. And I cannot possibly know as you walked in here on a Sunday afternoon all the ways that you need Jesus' deep peace. I cannot possibly know that. But the whole call, the whole call of Psalm 29 and the whole call of Jesus, his person and his work, as he fulfills and makes these things plain, the whole call, the whole idea is wherever you need strength, wherever you need peace, you have it in Jesus. And you're going to be tempted to believe that you have it within you, and you don't. You'll be tempted to believe that he'll run out of what you need. He won't. You'll be tempted to believe, oh, you can just kind of get his strength for like at the first of the month. And then you can just rely on your own strength for the rest of the month. You can't. Strength for you, peace for you in Christ. It's yours. 